This is an edition of Going Beyond Testing. I'm Mark Allen. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, NJ Labs CEO about methods and methodology and try to understand how this can help you as a manufacturer or as a product developer. So you have, in your experience in uh, uh, doing testing, you've developed methods for testing. I mean, we'll start with heavy metals, for example. So we have a generic method, and most laboratories with a lot of experience have generic methods, and then we have specific methods. We want to create a specific method for the CBD products or hemp-derived products, as well as even like flowers from marijuana, right? What we found out is, in general, you want the samples to be fully digested. You want the organics to break down so you can just extract the heavy metals and to test for it. And the general rule is, after you add acid, high pressure, temperature, you digest it completely, you want the solution to be clear. The clearer it is, theoretically, the better it's digested, right? To the naked eye, however. It should look like water. Right, it should look clear. However, what we found out is that's not always necessary, right? But what's puzzling to us is, it's clear to us, but at a microscopic level, it may not be what we think it is initially, right? So that's where chemistry, the testing plays a role. And this instrumentation sees it at a level that we can't see, a sub-level, right? So what happened is, what we're trying to do is we actually spike the samples with the four heavy metals, the big ones, arsenic, cadmium, lead, mercury, right? Because if it's in the product, yes. I have a question, what do you mean spike? So what we're doing is we're taking known standard, a known concentration of each of the heavy metals that we're interested in, and we're artificially putting into a sample. So I have a product, yes. I give it to you, yes. you spike it. Yes, with the heavy metals. And we know how much we're putting into the sample, uh. so when we test it, we should be able to see the exact amount that we put in, right? And if we see it higher or lower, there's some type of interferences. Now, if you take a product and you only test it once, you're not gonna see that. You're just gonna, it, one single data point doesn't mean a whole lot. Great, it passes, woo I'm gonna sell my product, right? And then you take it to another company, you manufacture the same way, you take it to another company and they put a little more work into it, right? They spike it, they recover it, they develop a method specific for you and you find out actually it has heavy metals in it and you know what happened is the original test method did not specify, it wasn't specific enough to cut out the interferences, whether it's from the sample or other ingredients or even instrument interferences from the heavy metals that you're looking for. It could mask it. And that's very scary because it passed, right? Yeah, so right. what's wrong with it? So how can there be heavy metals in my product? You've then standardized the way you test. So it's not a generic way. It's a very detailed yes. methodology of finding those heavy metals right. or whatever it else you may be right. looking for. Exactly, so because sample matrix, instrument matrix is important, right? How the sample interacts with the heavy metals, how the instrument reads, and even the nature of the instrumentation, like for example, ICPMS is what we use for a test for heavy metals. We use argon, oxygen, helium, hydrogen. What it does is this plasma kind of, in layman's term, blows up your sample and ionizes it, right? And so you're looking at isotopes, you know, not ionized, but isotopes. You're looking at different isotopes. So certain isotopes 
for certain metal for arsenic um, can exist more in nature than often and it could interfere. It could be artificially showing that there's arsenic in the sample if you don't have a specific method for your product. There's interference in the gases, like the gases can combine with other components in your sample and mimic arsenic and can give you a high result. Or it can mask it and give you an artificial low result. But if you test repeatedly, mm -hmm. you can find out if there's yes. a, a, a malfunction or right. something else. Something behind the scenes that you're not seeing, right? It's more than meets the eye. Science is way more than what you can visually see. That's why we have instruments. You can use different acids. So you want to find the right acid combination to digest your sample. You want to make sure it's optimized. It's digesting it completely, not 80% of the way or 90% of the way, or you don't want to over digest it either, right? So finding that sweet spot is very important. Like if you play sports and you play tennis, you want to hit the ball in the middle of the racket. That's what we try to do with your products, with the, just the digestion. Then we, what we do is we spike it and prep it six individual times, right? to show it's consistent, it's precise. Sometimes we use a second person, another instrument, try it on a different day, so no matter when you do it, it's precise. For accuracy, you spike it at three different levels, um, all the metals at one time or separately. It, it's a lot of work, you're making a lot of solutions and you wanna recover everything you put in artificially into your sample to show that, hey, if there's heavy metals in my product, I can accurately measure it, and there's nothing interfering with it. Well, to use a couple of sports analogies, <laughs> um, the tennis, uh, so if you do this, it's love all, right? Mm -hmm. Love to, yeah. and if you um, spike it, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's uh, you're, you're winning in volleyball. <laughs> it's a win-win. Um, I like those analogies, but yes. It's not, science is not always correlated with science, but when you play sports, there's a lot of analytical stuff going on, right? right. Critical thinking skills, you're modifying things, you adjust things, you adjust either your body movement or however, and that's the same thing with science. You adjust these little things to optimize the method to make sure that you're getting the best possible result and true, true and a result. true result. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, I tested once and I pass. Yeah. You don't recommend that? No, because there's no guarantee that it was, it was a true passing result, right? You have to make sure that the method is accurate to what you're looking for. And um, if you're not doing the development and the validation work in a lot of these cases, especially when there's no real standardized methods set yet by the FDA or USP or other regulatory compliance bodies, um, you wanna make sure that you do your due diligence. You're not gonna just trust it just because you ran it one time. For me, I'm like, okay, it happened once. Let me see if I can repeat it again. Okay, let me do it again. Let me do it again. And that's what it is, a lot of it is, the more you see, the more data you collect, the better equipped you are. Well, in, in science in general, if you're doing a, an experiment, you invent something, okay? Right. You want a scientist in another part of the country or the world mm -hmm. to be able to duplicate what yes. you've done. Absolutely. to validate what you created. Absolutely. And that's called, that's called integrity. You're supposed to document as you go. If you didn't write it down, you didn't do it. Um, so we want to document everything in such a way that even you can take it and do it at a different location. 
and you should be able to replicate it. That's a true, rugged, robust method. You took into consideration all the different changes um, in the instrument or the environment, and you can still reproduce accurate results, then you have a great method. Well, it seems to me that, um, you know, arsenic, for example, I think of murder mysteries, okay? <laughs> and, and I think of Agatha Christie um, and, and all of her stories, okay? And you want to know how that arsenic got into the coffee or the cream or whatever the murderer used mm -hmm. to kill the person they wanted to kill. <laughs> and so it's the same thing here. Yes. You want to know how that arsenic got into your, your pharmaceutical, your supplement, your nutraceutical, right? Right. So if we test it and we find any of those components um, and it fails specification, yes, there's a full-blown investigation that is initiated on our end as well as the manufacturer. A good manufacturer is going to go back and investigate every single inch and corner of their entire process to figure out where it could have been introduced. Um, and we kind of work with all of our manufacturers. We go back and forth, we communicate. It's part of who we are because we don't want to just leave it at that. Hey, it failed, bye, you're on your own. Um, it's not like that for us. We actually work with all of our clients to make sure that we can come to a good resolution. And so that the end product mm -hmm. is safe yes. and effective for everybody, yes. right? Uh, Sandra, thank you very much. This is gone, going beyond testing. If you want information on NJ Labs, visit us first by going to our <laughs> website. Second, come and visit uh, Sandra. She'd love to show you around. Show her her methodology. Show her her validations that you can use in your product, your product development, and your product manufacturing. Uh, I'm Mark Allen. And this has been Going Beyond Testing.